Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. The first of hopefully many sweep editions of Rico Bronia. The New York Mets play a bizarre, strange, odd. I know I'm saying the same word, just, you know, basically the same meaning over and over again. But that's what this was, a very bizarre three-game series against the putrid Oakland A's. Let me just start right there. We all know the A's are putrid. They are... I think going to end up being the worst team in Major League Baseball. They're off to a start, which their record is 3-13. and 13. They have no starting pitching. They have an owner that basically seems like he's losing on purpose. With that said, you got to win baseball games. And this is not, you know, a given that just because you play a really bad team, you're going to beat them every single time. It's not a given. So in baseball, you never throw this back. I remember even going into this road trip, I said to you, go win two out of three because I know how difficult it is to sweep series. So the fact they got a sweep, I mean, I'm pumped up because I also thought the Sunday game, and we'll get into all three games, and obviously the big headline, Brett Beatty's coming, and he's going to make his debut, his season debut in Los Angeles, which we'll get to. But I really thought Sunday's game was a loss. It felt that way from the beginning. It felt that way in the top of the ninth. It felt that way in the bottom of the ninth. It fell that way in the top of the 10th. It felt that way in the bottom of the 10th. In fact, I'm going to reverse things. Let's start off with Sunday's game. We'll talk all about the finale of this series. We'll go back and take a look at the historical game from Friday and the game from Saturday. But Sunday's game, and this is what really has me pumped up as bad as the A's are, that's the game you look at and say, you lose it most of the time. No matter how bad your opponent is, you lose that game. When your bullpen, by choice but also by necessity, is not going to be used by Buck Showalter, and he said as much after the game. He was never going to use Adam Adovino. He was trying to stay away from Brooks Raley. He was not going to use Drew Smith. David Robertson was available because he didn't throw that many pitches on Saturday. But when you have Jimmy Yacobonis in a game, in the ninth inning, and he can't throw a goddamn strike to start the bottom of the ninth inning, and Buck's not going to do anything about it. He's not going to rescue him. That feels like a, yeah, it's a 162-game season. You can't manage every game like Game 7 of the World Series. Kind of loss. And the fact the Mets were able to pull this one out of their ass makes me feel very, very good. First of all, they didn't hit. And honestly, I know they scored 17 runs in game one, so they obviously hit in game one, but they really didn't hit in game two, and they didn't hit in game three. Think about it this way. The Mets scored their runs. The run that put them up one nothing was on a home run by Tommy Pham. Great. That's fantastic. Game's tied at one. The home run that put them back up two to one in the sixth is a home run by Francisco Lindor. They're now down to their final few outs in the ninth. 
the run that tied the game in the ninth was a home run by Pete Alonso. For so for as much crap as we talk about how this team doesn't hit home runs, home runs bailed their ass out on Sunday. They hit three of them, and it was their entire offense until they somehow scratched out a run in the tenth on a freaking wild pitch, a wild pitch. But as far as this game is concerned, we get the news on Saturday that Max Scherzer is being pushed back. It's clearly an injury because Gary Cohn even brought it up on the broadcast Sunday. Hey, is it possible they're just looking for an excuse to push him back to the Dodgers series? No, no, he's he's 39 years old. He's had back issues in the past. That's not new. He had injury issues last year. The idea that there isn't something that's going to bother him every once in a while, of course, it's going to happen. So he's bothered by this back. They give him an MRI, which shows that there was a level of concern. And keep this in mind, even though Max Scherzer says he's going to pitch on Wednesday and the Mets plan on pitching him on Wednesday, there's no guarantee of that. You know, they, they pushed him back. They bought him a few extra days. They were going to look for the extra guy this week in California anyway. So it, in theory, isn't a big deal. But until Max Scherzer takes the mound on Wednesday, we don't know how serious this is. So you go into this game with Jose Buto making the start. I actually feel good about Buto making the start. Even though the one start he's made as a Met a year ago was that infamous game against the Phillies when Mark Canna, it was the Mark Canna game. He hit the game tying home run, the game whip. I forget who hit the game winning. Did he hit the game winning home run too? I forget what he did. Bottom line was it was a great comeback against the Phillies and Buto was terrible. Gave up a home run early to Alec Bohm. They gave up another home run to Alec Bohm. Bottom line is he gave up a ton of runs, had a 15 ERA in the one start that he made. But watching him in spring training and even seeing how he had pitched so far at Syracuse, I didn't think he was going to dominate. But against this A's lineup, I thought he'd pitch well. And he really did pitch well. He did. He battled. He got into the sixth inning. He put himself into trouble. Like he gives up the two-out double to Rooker in the first, gets out of it. Bailed out by some great defense by Nimmo in the second. More on that because he was the star of this game. Gets through a two-on, two-out jam in the second. Gets through a two-on, two-out jam in the third. Gets helped out by the interference call on the caught stealing in the fourth. And outside of the RBI single to Esturi Ruiz. And that could have been worse because the A's came back in that fifth and then got the first two guys on base. Ruiz ties the game up. And now it's two, three, and four. The order coming up. And Buto got through the fifth inning. And I was surprised Buck let him start the sixth. But I think Buck was just desperate to find outs. He knew what maybe we didn't realize at the time, which was he was not going to have much of a bullpen. So there were two stars of this game besides, you know, the obvious Pete Alonso hitting a game-tying home run. Two underrated, quote-unquote, stars of this game. Number one is Jose Buto. Pitches into the sixth inning, five-plus innings, one run, gets out of trouble. And the other guy you got to give major credit to is Denny Reyes. Denny Reyes comes into this game, gets through the sixth, and then look dominant in the seventh inning. So on a day in which the Mets aren't going to have much of a bullpen, Reyes gives them six really important outs. He's not the only star of the game. I mean, the other stars of the game are obvious. You know, the, the guys are with the home runs. Alonzo for hitting the game, tying home run in the ninth inning, and then the incredible defense of Brandon Nemo. Because Brandon Nemo really saved the game. He absolutely saves the game. After Alonzo hits that home run in the ninth to tie the game up, 
And by the way, let me just say this. I got to actually give credit. This may shock you I'm saying this. I have to give credit to John Curtis because even though Curtis blew the lead, when he gave up the two-run double to La- uh, Shea, Shea Langale- Langaliers, Langaliers, it's like chandelier, so it's Langalier, whatever. He gives up the two-run double to Shea. I thought this game was going to get worse. I thought he was going to give it up, give it up completely, especially after he walked Ryan Noda. And he actually got out of it. So I give him credit for that because I thought for a second this game was going to get out of hand. It was going to go from three to two to five to two. So he gets those last two outs, and it turned out to be huge because look what happens. Alonzo comes up, hits the absolute bomb right after Lindor got robbed of a base hit, and we have ourselves a tie game. But Jimmy Yacobonis comes in, and I'm mad, but I'm not mad because – I know why Buck Showalter doesn't want to use Brooks Raley, Drew Smith, Adam Adovino. I get it. Like, it's a 162-game season. You have a series coming up with L.A. You don't have off days for another week. Right? So you can't just burn everybody out. So I'm angry that Yacobonis is in because he sucks, or at least I thought he did, because he's walking the first guy on four pitches and giving up a blue pip to Rooker. So we all think this game's curtains. But I, So I'm mad, but I can't be mad. Like for any Met fan who was mad in that ninth inning, saying, Buck, what are you doing? We do have to take a step back. He doesn't want to burn out his bullpen on April 16th. He's managing for the 162. Now here's the critique you could have had, and I think this is it. It's a debate because I I actually don't even have this critique, which is if you have Robertson warming up in the top of the ninth inning in case the Mets take the lead, and he was warming up, why not just go to him? The A's have the heart of the order coming up in the ninth. Just keep the game tight. Extend the game. It's like the NBA thought of. You want to extend the game. Robertson comes in. You're not dealing with the runner on second. Nobody out. Crap. Get three outs. Get this thing to the 10th inning. Now, the problem is when you get those three out from Robertson, assuming you do, now you got to go to Yacobonis. It's not like you're going to hide him forever because you're not going to pitch Robertson for two innings. That's it. And if we accept that Rayleigh and Smith and Adovino aren't available, and there's good reason specifically for Smith and Adovino, not as much Rayleigh because Adovino threw 30 pitches on Saturday, whatever it was. So I actually side with Buck. I'm good with just going to Yacobonis. And I'll tell you why. As much as I want to win this game, you are looking at the next series as well. Can't play every game as if it's the end-all, be-all. If I use Robertson in the ninth and he keeps the game tied, right, and then Yacobonis comes in in the tenth and gives it all up, I feel like I wasted David Robertson. Yeah, I extended the game, but was it really worth it? I didn't get the win, right? I didn't win. Now he's not available for the first game against the Dodgers. So I may as well just use Jakob bonus. If he keeps me in the game, great. If he blows it, uh, at least I didn't use any of my key guys. Do you agree with that, by the way, Pete, that thought on the Robertson Jakob bonus order? Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to waste Robertson there in the ninth. Jakob bonus was fine. Like you said, he, he's going to have to pitch eventually anyway. And the last thing you want, like you said, is, to feel like you wasted Robertson, you get to late innings or whatever, extra innings, 
and you got to get Yaka Bonus in there, and he blows it anyway. It's just it's, right. That, it's that, not a point that's time, why, like, if they took the lead, so, which they did, yeah, you go to Robertson, go win the game, and you know if he if he shuts the door, you get the win. So yeah, you don't have Robertson for Monday in L.A., but you got the win. If the Mets didn't score in the tenth, yeah, I would have rode Yaka Bonus all night. That sounds weird. I would have had Yaka Bonus come back. <laughs> <laughs> I set myself up for this crap sometimes. <laughs> oh, no. I would put him out there for the 10th yeah. inning. Now, if Robertson had blown the lead in the 10th, it sucks. It sucks. But what are you going to do? But now you're screwed because now you got nobody left. <laughs> now you're probably going to Brooks Rally when you don't want. But either way, I agree with what Bug's doing, even though in the course of the game, I'm sitting there like you. I'm live watching this game in the ninth inning. I'm pissed. Not at anybody in particular. I'm just like, oh, my God, I have to watch Jimmy Yaka bonus try to keep this game tied. But he did. And he did because of Brandon Nemo. Brandon Nemo's defense in center field has been so freaking good the last two years. And it's stunning to think about how average to bad he was more than two years ago defensively in center field. He's really turned himself into a tremendous center fielder. And what he did on Sunday was he not only made two incredible catches, the the one in the second inning was awesome too. It's going to be forgotten about because it was the second inning, but that was huge because you never know with Jose Buto. You know, Nimmo don't make that play second inning, let's say runner on second, runner on third, one out. Who knows what happens? So he makes a great play in the second and the one in the ninth, I mean, we don't even have to waste time with it because it's so obvious why it was huge. If he doesn't make that catch, Kemp scores from second, the New York Mets lose. There's no if ands, or buts. If he does not make the catch, the Mets lose the game right then and there. He makes incredible, incredible diving play. And then to Jakob Bonus's credit, he gets Diaz to pop up to third base. Speaking of third base, so this will kind of mix into the Beatty stuff. We get the news before the game. Hey, Brett Beatty's coming. Eduardo Escobar, classy as ever, says all the right things about Beatty deserves to play. Beatty's earned everything he's about to get. Escobar's a class dude. You know, it, it's frustrating when a guy sucks and they're kind of oblivious to everything around them. I think Aaron Hicks has unfortunately done that with the Yankees, where he sucks and he'll go on about, well, I don't play enough. I don't know my role. That's an oblivious comment. Eduardo Escobar, and I know he's gotten the booze from Mets fans, and we've been hard on him, but we can't be hard on him as a human because the guy gets it. Like, he understands it. So he has basically said, Brett, take the job. You've earned it. Now, Escobar, I thought, had a fascinating day because he knows the job's gone, but he's playing third base. He's batting eighth. He's sporting a 114 batting average. He grounds out in his first at-bat. What else is new? He gets absolutely robbed by Tony Kemp in left field in his second at-bat. Eddie Eddie did nothing wrong. He should have had a double. Kemp makes a great play. Gets a weird infield hit in the eighth. But here's where I'm stunned by Eduardo Escobar. I told you how negative I was throughout this game, and I was. I always thought they were going to lose. I'm be perfectly honest. The one moment I had some confidence, which shows what kind of schmuck I can be, was in the ninth inning. So go back to the ninth. The Mets are down a run. Lindor gets robbed to start the inning. Alonzo, it's the bomb of a home run. Great, we're tied. We then watch Danny Jimenez walk 
on five pitches, uh, Mark Hanna. We see him walk Tommy Pham on four pitches. We see him walk Jeff McNeil on four pitches. The Mets now have the bases loaded with one out for Eduardo Escobar. And Mark Kotze, I know we had to get him in as at the game, but he does us a favor because he goes to Sam Mola lefty. So here's Escobar in the spot he wants to be in, batting right-handed, bases loaded one out. I swear I'm thinking this is Escobar's last stand. He's going to hit a grand slam. Like I was, I was convinced of it. It was the one moment, Pete, in this entire game where I was confident because that's going to be the perfect ending to his tenure as the third baseman. He goes out with class and he ends it with a grand slam. Did you have that same naivete as me? Uh, no, I did not. I, I'm a little <laughs> bit more realistic with Eduardo Escobar. I know what's coming. I know it's obvious. It sticks out like a short thumb. It was not a grand slam. <laughs> really? I, this was it, though. I mean, this is his last moment, his last chance as the third baseman. You didn't think he was at least going to come through with something other than the worst possible thing, which was a 6-4-3 double play? No, and it was funny because earlier in the game, he did hit a shot that was crushed, smashed down the line, but went foul. So I'm like, okay, maybe he does have something in him. But at that moment, it, it was – no. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I've read, I've seen this story so many times. I know the ending. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really had no feel for the Sunday game because I was wrong about everything, including that. I thought that the one moment of positivity was Escobar would come through. The other thing about Escobar, and obviously ninth inning, that's the Yacobonis inning, which we talked about. And the Mets got their run in the 10th inning on a freaking wild pitch. After Brandon Nimmo strikes out with a runner on third and less than two out, we could have, he could have been the dog. We could have ripped them for it. The Mets get the run on the wild pitch. And then Vogelback on three and one hits the crap out of a ball, but right at the second baseman. I'm just happy Vogelback wasn't looking for a walk. Bases loaded, three and one count. He actually tried to hit the ball, and he did. The problem was he smashed it right at uh, Diaz at second base. All right, so that's where I differ with you. I was all for him keeping that bat in his shoulders like he is not productive with the bat in any sense whatsoever. At that point in time, he's got a better opportunity, as his on-base says, take a walk. Look for the walk. Better better opportunity. That's my biggest problem with him. My biggest problem with Daniel Vogelback is while he does get on base, I feel sometimes he's looking for the walk. That, you know, you're a slugger. You get the count in a batter's favor. You got to take advantage of it. It can't just all be about let me get on base. You're not a leadoff hitter. You're a slugger. You're supposed to be. And so I can't kill him for it because he did hit the ball hard. It happens. But you got to have that aggressiveness. It's great that you have a good eye, and it's great that you're three and one a lot of the times. I saw, I forget which day it was. I apologize. He got the count three and one, and he took a fastball right down the middle. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, are you looking for a walk? Who, who do you think you are? But he grounds out, and now we're set up with Robertson at the bottom of the 10th inning. And it was it was scary. <laughs> you know, he hits Langoliers to start it. He makes the play, even though he bobbled a little bit on the bunt sacrifice, gets the big out of Capel. And even after the wild pitch, he gets Ruiz to ground out. And as he gets him to ground out, balls hit to Escobar. I'm thinking the same thing, but reverse. Oh, no. Escobar is going to throw it away. And that's how his tenure is going to end. But he actually made the play. The Mets win it. 
a, a really a good victory. And don't waste time talking about how bad the opponent is. There are a lot of bad teams in baseball. It doesn't mean you're going to beat them. Now, the New York Mets last year didn't win the National League East. And there are many reasons why the Mets didn't win the NL East. But one of the reasons was that they didn't do a good enough job against bad teams. One of the reasons is that my guy, Jacob DeGrom, came up very small against this Oakland A team a year ago. I'm not putting that all on him or that particular game, but the Met issues in September last year was because they didn't beat the bad teams enough. So if you have a friend of yours that's a non-Met fan, a Yankee fan, a Philly fan, who tries to say, ah, you swept the ace, who cares? You could just look at them and say, you're a schmuck. Because that's that's not how sports works. You have to beat what's in front of you. When you look at the standings, you're not analyzing who you beat. The Tampa Bay Rays have their record. It's not about who they've beaten and how they've gotten there. And a lot of times you win a series against a bad team, but you don't sweep them. And you walk away saying, God, man, we, we could have swept them. We should have swept them. And this finale felt like one of those coulda, shoulda kind of days. And it turned out not to be because the Mets beat them and they swept the freaking Oakland A's.